In this episode of Eden Exchanges, we spoke to Greg McLardy, the Managing Director of Caramel Limited. Caramel is an innovative digital platform connecting fishermen and farmers with high-end restaurants in China. Listen in to hear Greg talk through his exciting new concept, which is set to disrupt food supply chains, improve traceability, quality and profitability. Hi everyone, my name is Raghu, I'm here with Frank Zimis from Eden Exchange. Today we're joined by Greg McLarty, who's the MD of Caramel Limited. Thanks very much for joining us today, Greg. Yeah, thanks so much, Raghu. Look, firstly, can you uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, the company does and how it all works? I mean, you are breaking into some very unique, interesting markets here. Can you, can you give the listeners a bit of a summary of what you're actually doing here? Fundamentally, keep it simple, we're directly connecting fishermen and farmers to restaurants, high-end restaurants in China. And we're taking out uh, middlemen who comprise almost 50% of supply chain costs in doing so. And in terms of that, what motivated you to, to go into that that marketplace and why did you found the company? I mean, I mean, firstly, what was the opportunity and how's your background relate to, to, to breaking into that sector? I remember, Raghu, that uh, now I, got, uh, I was born and raised in Sydney, but then uh, went across to the US to do my MBA. Hmm. And I remember when I graduated from my MBA, a group of us sat around in the lounge room after the graduation ceremony and it was about seven of us and we all said what do we want to do with our future mm-hmm. and and you know I, I didn't know what to say and i just blurted out gee i'd love to create something that would last for generations mm-hmm. and that that always i don't know why i said that but it stuck with me and it was about uh, 20 years later that i had the guts to really pursue that and i saw the opportunity in in high-end uh, seafood and so in terms of Getting to where I am now, it's been, it's been a fascinating journey. You know, Steve Jobs said you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only uh, connect them looking backwards. And mm. boy, I found that to be true. And so, um, now I started off uh, with Ernst & Young, uh, got my chartered accountancy. Uh, then I went to the US, as I just said, and got my uh, MBA in, in uh, Chapel Hill. And then I went to work with Procter & Gamble uh, in the worldwide headquarters in Cincinnati, and they started on the finance track. They asked me to move across into marketing, and I was like a duck to water. I just Mm -hmm. loved it. But, you know, if you look at the – and then we wanted to raise our kids. We had three kids in Cincinnati, and then we – came back to Australia to work with Australia's largest branded food company, and they immediately sent me off to Japan. And so I spent two years in Japan. And so, no, that's a a rather eclectic background, but, you know, the Ernst & Young made me comfortable with financial numbers. Um, The MBA exposed exposed me to uh, industry as a whole. Procter & Gamble taught me about the power of branding and innovation and, and operating ethically, you know, and having success in operating ethically. And then the experience of Japan, Japan's like another universe. Mm. And that, that was fascinating experience. And I loved working with the Japanese. So all that has led me to, to where we are today. And that experience in Japan or Asia, is that where you're exposed to, to this concept that you've developed? No. Um, 
No, I've been in the food industry uh, over 20 years. Sure. And I've been in agri, uh, working uh, seafood in the agri industry for uh, over eight years now. And now for the longest time, and again, that's an interesting journey. Now, for the longest time, I was focused on raising tens of millions of dollars mm -hmm. to bring aggregation to uh, the abalone and lobster industries, buying a whole bunch of quota in Tassie and South Australia and and buying a couple of, of leading processes and bringing some sophistication aggregation to the industry. And over that journey, I, I got to know some of the uh, fishermen leaders really well. And, uh, and they were blunt as all get out. They told me first off they didn't want a corporate in the industry. Yeah. And so I just... I said, why? And and then they and so they told me bluntly what they wanted uh, for for partners in in their industry. And so things took a dramatic turn in December last year, where one of the fishermen leaders gave me a call out of the blue, and he was exasperated. There was there was a, a cry of exasperation in his voice. And he said, Greg, he said, I just met with one of the biggest uh, processors. And they want to drive down fishermen's uh, prices and it's going to hurt our assets. I'm worried about the future of our industry. He said, Greg, we need some help. What can we do? And so I came out of that meeting and I was still in the mindset of raising tens of millions of dollars. And I thought, wow, how can I really uh, move this process forward now to help these guys? Because I, I really fell in love with the fishermen down there, you know. And so it was that time, because it was December, now, our family always uh, uh, meets together for Christmas, uh, the Christmas New Year period. And so we had organised an Airbnb place to, uh, to all meet over Christmas. Uh, we got an Uber to, uh, to our uh, Airbnb location. And I always get stuff over Amazon to read over that Christmas mm. New Year period. And, and my mind was right. One morning when all the families together, I was the first to get up and my mind was just racing. And then it, it just it was sort of like just a, 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 they talk about the light bulb moment. Well, that's what it was. Whereas I said to myself, wow, why, why can't we connect fishermen directly to restaurants? And I discussed it with my family and there are a bunch of smart people in my family and they, uh, they were doing like the Highland Fling. Mm -hmm. And then, so I couldn't wait to get back and have a talk to the fishermen leaders. So in early January... I, uh, uh, I immediately called up the fishermen and said, guys, can I catch up? So I, I, I hopped across to uh, uh, South Australia to meet with them. I took them through it. And at the end of uh, our discussion, when they had heard what uh, the, the whole concept, they said, you know, this is the first day of the future of our industry. And that, that statement just shook me. And then I thought, well... No, it, and so that's fantastic, but how would the restaurants in uh, China react to it? I mean, if they don't like it, then it's, it's, the fishermen can be excited, but it means nothing. So it just so happened, and this would be a story for another podcast, review, <laughs> but uh, just so happened, I, I got to know the managing director of one of the luxury hotels really well. And so I cold called him, and I, to be honest, I was nervous calling him because it you know, was a different concept. Yeah, And so... I called him and I said, and I, I took him through the concert and I said, listen, the fishermen think this is, a, uh, this is pretty exciting. What do you think? 
And he said, Greg, uh, he said, I really like this. When are, you up in, uh, when are you up in Shanghai next? And I said, well, it just so happens I'm there next week. And he said, great, let's catch up. So I hung up and, and booked the tickets to, uh, to Shanghai because I didn't have a meeting set. <laughs> and, and I saw I caught with him and bless his heart, if he didn't uh, bring into the meeting his executive chef and the head of food and beverage, and I took them through what we're doing where we want to not only connect directly with the restaurant, but we want to create uh, uh, an emotional attachment to the, uh, the patron in the restaurant so they can see, uh, get some uh, romance about uh, the rock lobster industry, about the product itself, where it's caught from. They can see a video of the fishermen and really start to like, man, the wine industry does a great job yeah, here. Why not copy the wine industry? They do a brilliant job. Mm -hmm. And so the patron can and then connect directly with a fisherman and, and get a sense of uh, the provenance of where it comes from. And, and the, and the guys at this, and it, this is a Michelin restaurant we're talking about. Right. And so they get, they get the best food from around the world. And these, uh, and so these guys just got off. And they started saying, wow, you know, we can connect directly with fishermen. We can do this and this and this. And, and they were really excited. And as they were talking, the, the managing director is off to the side. And he's saying, wow, you know, no one in the world of food is doing this. And, I, and even though I was connecting with the excitement from uh, the food and bev and the executive chef, I know uh, that... I, I, it was like a, a loudspeaker, John, even, even though he was speaking soft, it was like a loudspeaker went off, and I thought, wow, we're, we've, we're really onto something here. And then when I came back to Australia, I then started to, I had to connect the rest of the pieces between the fishermen and the restaurant. And it was, it was like it was meant to be. It was like serendipity, <laughs> where doors just kept on opening up for us in an exciting way. And and so uh, and so that's where we are now. Where we're very close to launching, and that was that's a rather long-winded answer well, to your question, Raghu. <laughs> well, it is a very good answer in terms of there were so many pieces that came together to, to spark it, to you know to validate your idea as well. Now, what have been the next steps in actually moving from a concept to a to a workable solution in the industry? Yeah, and I got to say, uh, and uh, we have first mover advantage. And, part, and a big part of that is that we've got, uh, I've, I've worked hard to get the partners in the supply chain who believe in what we're doing. Yeah. And believe that if we get, not if, when we get this right, that we will all benefit. But I, I believe a big problem with the current supply chain is that the, I mentioned that almost 50% of supply chain costs. Um, comprise the, the middlemen between the, the fishermen and the restaurant. Each of those, currently, each of those guys focus on their own profitability. And that's what really today's supply chains do. Mm -hmm. But what if we turn things around and the supply chain focused really hard on uh, delivering a, a better experience and more profitability to the two prime end users? Mm -hmm being the fisherman, the farmer, and the, uh, the restaurant and their patron. And so I've, we've been able to, so we have partners in the supply chain now who, and the cost they've given us, uh, 
make it very exciting. And we, we, we're going to be transparent and we'll pass this on to fishermen and, and, and the restaurants. And so we've got partners now who uh, believe that this, if we get it right, the volume will be such we can all do very well out of this. So we're not looking to, uh, to screw people, fishermen and, and restaurants. Mm-hmm. We're focused on providing them with a great experience and more profit. Yeah. From a consumer perspective, this has been a, a very sort of topical um, issue recently. I mean, people not knowing where, where fish come from, mm. um, you know, from, from right down from um, going to the market to, to, to restaurants. So this really sort of tackles an issue that's um, that, that's foremost in, in for, for consumers, doesn't it? As well, um, we talked about the the benefits for the for the for the farmer, uh, for, for the fisherman, also the benefits for for, for the restaurants. But really, um, the benefits for the consumer are, are fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so, Frank. Yeah. So the. Um uh, provenance and knowing where your food comes from is is a worldwide trend, and but it's also really important from a food safety standpoint. And the Chinese government is really focused on food safety right now because there's mm. been some tragic, high-profile yeah. cases mm. of of uh, lack of food safety leading to deaths in, tragic, in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shocking, yeah. shocking. And you take. Um, now, you take a world-leading market like the United States, where I saw a stat the other day that said that over 50% of the uh, seafood uh, presented in the U.S. is misrepresented. Uh, so if it's that case in the U.S., can you imagine what it's like in China? Yeah. And so, and you're talking about high-end restaurants uh, dealing with um, uh, a wealthy clientele. Now, they want to get what they're paying for. And they and 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 past that, and then so we go past making it just as getting what they pay for, making it a more enriched experience. And so, we will provide proof of what they uh, of what they're getting and tie that right back. We can even pinpoint where in the ocean uh, that that fish was caught. So right now, you mentioned uh, before we chatted about the grey channel as well. Mm. So there is that murky sort of supply chain in the middle that you're, you're cutting through. I mean, do, do people have much visibility of what goes on in there right now? So how do people right now know where their food comes from? Is it the best guess or is it just what, what they're told? Yeah, no. yeah, that's quite insightful, Raghu. It's, it's, it's unknown. Even the fishermen didn't know. You know, I've, I met with a group of fishermen not long ago and, they, and I took them through how the supply chain works and they didn't know. Uh, and I'm, and I, I can just about guarantee the patrons in the restaurant don't know because these, this grey channel, it's, that's, a, that's a, a nice term for illegal uh, people operating in the supply chain. What they're doing to avoid um, Chinese tariffs and value-added tax, VAT, they, uh, uh, they fly it into Hong Kong uh, or Hanoi and Vietnam. Both Hong Kong and Vietnam have free trade agreements into China. So they fly it into the major airports there. They smuggle it across the border because the free uh, trade agreement uh, and avoid uh, before. And thank you, Australian government, for that uh, China-Australia free trade agreement. Mm-hmm. This has made this possible. And so uh, before the China, before Chafter, 
the uh, the tariff and the VAT combined on rock lobster was 28%. Mm-hmm. That's now down to 14%. And so, and it will continue to come down, it'll become, and the tariff will become, it'll still be a value-added tax, it'll be 11%, but the tariff will come down to zero by January 1st, 2019. And so uh, we can now get rid of that illegal trade who really treat it badly. Now, we, we've had people... Uh, follow uh, the supply chain, uh, be on a plane and follow the, the rock lobster going through. They found, and Hanoi is, is a tropical uh, environment. Rock lobster was uh, from uh, South Australia, was delivered to Hanoi Airport, left on the tarmac in the sun for two hours, put in, it was then, we followed it to uh, a truck that was unrefrigerated truck. Oh, these poor rock lobster, what a shocking way to treat a, a luxury item. And a, and a live beast. And then it was trucked nine hours across the border uh, and then it was finally put in a tank in Guangxi uh, uh, province over in, uh, in China. And then eventually makes its way to the restaurant. Now in that time, obviously it's weakening, it's, it's not a good product, it, uh, it, it's stressed, mm-hmm. there's, there's a high mortality rates. Yeah. And guess who pays for all that? The fishermen. Why should the fishermen put up with all that garbage? So by going, what we've found with by going direct, mortalities are, all, are virtually zero. So you're treating the fish much more respect, and you're getting a better product, and and the fishermen will make more money out of it. It's, it's a fascinating. It's, it's it's a great idea. I mean, how do you go about monetizing the the, the technology? So uh, the it'll will make a, a, a certain number of uh, dollars per per kilogram. Yep. And what's important there, Frank, is that we'll be transparent about that. So the fishermen and the restaurant will know uh, what the f- uh, uh, what uh, our costs are and, and what the costs are through the supply chain. And what's important there is right now uh, that there's no transparency in the system whatsoever. Once the fisherman sells it, they don't have a clue what happens to their product. They don't have a clue what happens with with pricing, and they they and they're dumbfounded as to why the price jumps up around every other day and, and week. It drives them nuts. The price drop drops around, and so we'll we'll be transparent. And but what's important is that because we're digitizing everything, we're going to have a lot of information, yeah. and so that's going to lead to many exciting opportunities, as the boys in Amazon and Alibaba have found. But in terms of the the usage of it, does that mean for example, the fishermen will have a, a login, the restaurant would have a login, and then they using when they log in, they can have a transparency and visibility of the of the journey. Of yes, that. exactly right. Sure. But then how do you monitor that the journey of the 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 you know the seafood being transported? Yeah, so there'll be uh There'll be technology on the lobster, so we as soon as a lobster is yeah. caught, we'll uh, tag it, and that tagging gives the ability, and that's that's how when the re- it goes to the restaurant, mm-hmm. they can uh, click on the QR code and then understand uh, the journey it's been on and where it was caught in the ocean, and get the full and rich story about mm-hmm. the fisherman. Yeah, so it is a very like sophisticated um, enabler in the mm-hmm. system in the seafood industry. So it's 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 a bit beyond just a pure digital platform because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're you're sort of merging the digital with the physical, and mm-hmm. uh, so to, to match it, which sets it apart from a lot of um, you know, platforms we can, we've come across as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's really unique in the market. But about. isn't it interesting, Ragu? You look like you look at what some of the big boys are doing, and they're heading in the same direction. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's really interesting, Alibaba. No, who hasn't heard of Alibaba? Mm. They've got a subsidiary called Igwo. Um, Igwo uh, means uh, easy fruit. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're buying fruit and veggies from around the world and delivering it direct to uh, Chinese consumers in their home. What Alibaba has done recently is uh, the next step in their uh, uh, evolution is that they're buying bricks and mortar stores in, in neighborhoods in, uh, in the major tier one cities in China mm-hmm. where consumers then, and, and that, so the product is delivered to those stores, they can be cooked in the store or they just uh, get the product themselves. So they're merging the platform with uh, uh, bricks and mortar. And Amazon's heading down the, the same track with them. I know they just bought Whole Foods in, in the US. So I, 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 I believe this is the evolution of where it's going to with platforms. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving it too. I'm loving this whole sort of transparency of, of, of seeing where the food comes from. Mm. Um, you know, and also, I mean, obviously there's efficiencies in knowing what you're going to pay for it. Um, but yeah, that whole, that, whole, um, that whole sort of transparency and trackability of the food is fantastic, I think, for, for everybody, especially for consumers worldwide. Well, in terms of this one, the technology and supply chain efficiencies are like the backbone of what you're doing. I mean, and you really did talk about how the platform operates. So how are you putting it all together? I mean, you've got to assume you have a team of technologists as well as a team and board of management who are guiding the journey of the growth of the company. Uh, Can you expand a little bit on that? Because it's a key part of making a success of, of these very innovative ventures. Yeah, and boy, the people around you are just so important, so important. And so um, a really important part of what I do is is provide the dream of, of, of where we're heading, the vision. And so I, sometimes I pinch myself some of the people we have around us, you know, like... Um, from uh, from uh, no, our, our legal guys, Arnold Block Legal, one of the best law firms in Australia. Great people, my goodness, have been patient with me. Mm. Grant Thornton, the uh, financial. Now on the uh, and, and yeah, from the technical side, wow, we've got some guys. I reckon they'd be the leading digital guys working in the agri industry in Australia, and I just love talking to them because they're always coming up with creative ideas. Mm. And what's what's so important as you as you pursue this this exciting digital world is that you need to be agile and fluid in your thinking. Um, and these guys are brilliant with evaluating. But also, what's really important, Raghu, is that people always talk about yeah, the digital is important. Yeah, the digital is crucial. But also, what and, and if you look at what the big boys are doing, they they're striving really hard to uh, get an emotional engagement with the end user. They're they're, uh, they're really driven by that. So we're uh, we're just about to finish uh, a decision to whether we choose a global advertising agency, uh, uh, DDB or or Gray. And these these two agencies, these are global agencies. Why would they deal with someone like me? Because they see the vision. And, and these guys, and, and also, we want to be global, you know. I, I, want to, I want to be, I want to grow past, I want to go through China and grow past China as quickly as possible. Mm. And so 
we're dealing with global advertising agencies now because we know we want to start going global next year. Mm. But the power of these guys and getting these good people around you is that they, the, they themselves have amazing people who are experts in getting that emotional attachment. So we want to make, we want to bring pride and prestige to the fishermen and to the farmers. And these guys have got expertise in that. At the same time, we're dealing with aspirational restaurants and wealthy clientele. Mm -hmm. So we need to really uh, nail the emotional engagement with those, those two ends of the spectrum. Sure. From, from a business perspective, what, what stage are you at? Um, and what sort of milestones are you looking to hit over the next few years? So uh, we're going to launch any day now. So that's exciting. And we're very excited about that. And, and so that will be in, in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and we uh, and then we're building a platform and the engagement, you know, that uh, that doesn't stop uh, when you launch. You just, you just mm -hmm. keep going and going and going and improving what you're doing and learning and improving and learning and improving. And then once we tick the boxes, once we tick the boxes with what we're doing in Shanghai, then I want to go. I want to go. And so uh, I'd, I'd like to go immediately to, to IPO so we have the funds then to grow, to grow in China, to grow past China. And also, you know, we obviously want to grow past lobster and move quickly into, uh, into uh, uh, similar products like, uh, like abalone and some other high-end seafood. But mm -hmm. what I found in China, boy, they love France. And so they and they got a thing of uh, like they French I can't get enough of French oysters. So we'd like to move quickly into places like uh, for sourcing product like France, obviously New Zealand, yeah. you know, their brothers across the ditch, yeah. and then but uh, move to France and, and sourcing from North America. So I want to go, yeah. and so uh, so that I, I want to go as soon as possible in the new year. Yeah, and just on China, I've had a bit of experience working in China, as, as you well know. Um, tell us, what's it like forming those relationships in China and doing business there? Yeah, great, and you, you'll know this, Frank. <laughs> uh, I've loved it, actually. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, the media in the West treats uh, China poorly. Um, no, they treat it like, no, there's uh, China is run by the Communist Party, and so they're all communists, but... I love my experience with the Chinese. Love it. Yeah. You know, um, they're quick. And, and when you have a, a business uh, dinner uh, to, to build the relationship, they're quick to talk about their family. Mm -hmm. No, they don't mind a beer or two. Yeah. And, and they love to laugh. And so I've, I've loved the relationships with them. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. But it doesn't come from your first meeting. You can't. No. No. no um, a book I'd strongly recommend to anyone listening to this is called Three Cups of Tea. I can't remember the name of the dude who uh, wrote that book, but if you, if you just uh, Google Three Cups of Tea, you'll see. And, he, and it's a brilliant story, and, and, uh, and that's another podcast, Raghu. Mm -hmm. But um, just really briefly, they talk about with the first cup of tea, you're just acquaintances. The second cup of tea, you become friends. And with the third cup of tea, you yep. become part of our family, and we'll we'll die for you. Yep. And uh, and so and that's that's figuratively speaking. You know, mm -hmm. it's obviously you don't have three cups of tea and your best buddies all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. That uh, the three cups of tea could take uh, five or, or ten business trips. Sure. 
but just keep going back and seeing them and building a relationship and get to know uh, about them and their family and what, and, and laugh with them and and um, they call it Guang Shi, but build that relationship and I've really enjoyed it and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's amazing where that can take you. I've I've loved my relationship with with the Chinese people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I mean Guang Shi is the. You can that. relate to that. Yeah, Frank. absolutely. <laughs> but I, I don't think I've ever. Um, uh, heard someone speak so positively about about the, the, the whole China experience yeah. as, as a whole. I mean, you know, yeah, definitely one is important, but sometimes uh, you find that uh, you know there's hiccups along the way. Oh, you got that right. Yeah, <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, there's no, there's no. Yeah, uh, and uh, again, the people listening to this podcast, you know, uh, a pearl I would give you is that. To find your prince, you got to kiss a lot of frogs, yeah. and so, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And you need to just go keep. Uh, yeah, there are hiccups, and you yeah. learn stuff, and you yeah. learn with every hiccup and bump. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to keep learning and be yeah. persistent, yeah. and 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 yeah, just keep learning and being persistent. Yeah, and and also, yeah, you're you're powering through kissing a lot of frogs, but the market <laughs> itself is is extremely large there. I mean, have you? Got an idea of how big it is for your product? Oh, blimey! Um, you know, now when I uh, when I do a presentation uh, to people about one, the first slide I put up is: do you, do you remember the Beijing Olympics, that opening ceremony? Do you remember all those drummers on the field in that opening ceremony? Yeah, yep. my jaw dropped. I'm sure a lot of people's jaws dropped, and that that's to me that's an iconic picture about the mass in China, 1.4 billion people, mm. holy smoke, little old stray that's hard to think about. Mm. And so there's there's one uh, restaurant I'm aware of in Shanghai, one restaurant that takes uh, over 10% of Australia's entire production of Southern Rock Lobster. Which, which one is that? Uh, that's for me to know. <laughs> <laughs> Too much information? Yeah. yeah. So... One restaurant. Wow. And and Shanghai is reported to take over 60% of Australia's total production of Southern Rock Lobster. Incredible. So, so other Tier 1 cities can't get a hold of Southern Rock, let alone Tier 2 cities where they still crave the product. And so uh, I, I, there's some really exciting opportunities there. What if we can go to some tier two cities opposite, uh, offer the, uh, the the same opportunity, and I reckon fishermen can get even better premium out of out of that, and so it um, and that's why we need to get on our skates, because providing Southern Rock Lobster to uh, to Chinese restaurants is is just the tip of the iceberg. We need to get going, and you're obviously very. You know, experience with China as well. Can you touch on a bit about your board and, and management as well in terms of the connections they have there as well as here in the industry? Um, that, that's got to be evaluated in your growth journey as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed with having some really good people around me. There's Lou Valella who has been going to China for uh, well over a decade. He um, He's a nine executive director he, and he, uh, in, in his uh, full-time job, he runs Asia Pacific, and he's got a large team in, in Shanghai that he manages. So he, uh, he's got a really good understanding of China. And he also understands the high-end seafood uh, very well because he's been on this journey with me for, for eight years. 
Then there's um, Wayne Hayes, and Wayne has built his own business uh, with digital uh, uh, software. And he, he builds uh, supply chain and warehousing uh, software for uh, Australian and Indonesian companies. So he's got that supply chain experience. He knows Asia. And so I just, so he, he helps me immensely with the, uh, the digital guys, immensely. Uh, then there's uh, Jared Dempsey, uh, our CFO, who's had vast experience in the agri-industry. So he, he knows how fishermen think and what's important uh, in terms of agri. So we've got a, a really good team around us. And Greg, in China, you already have a, a CEO in place. Yeah, Raghu, that's, that's one of these amazing doors that have opened up for us. Um, in my early travels to China... I came across uh, a fellow by the name of James Jai, who uh, had a, a rather large investment team uh, who do, has investments around the world. And he got concepts and what we're doing really quickly. And so I, I, we're talking about uh, the Guangxi. Now, and so I, every time I went back to China, I just knocked on his door and we had a chat. We had another cup of tea. And uh, when I, after I met with uh, the restaurant, in, uh, when I mentioned that they said this, uh, no, no one in the world is, the food is doing this. I went across and caught up with James, and I took him through what we're doing. And James said, "Wow," he said, "You know, the the high end restaurants what watch what it, each other does." So he said, "You're going to have restaurants in Beijing and Tokyo looking at what you guys are doing because it's, it's very innovative." And he said, and so that that's going to drive demand for the product, and I can see where this is going. And he said, Greg, I want to come and work with you. He said, I want to be your CEO. And and so I said, because I, I knew the guy really well, I said, that'd be great, James, come on board. And, and bless his soul, uh, he took the initiative after I came back to Melbourne, and he took the initiative to contact one of the very big digital players in China. And said, hey, listen, this is what Caramel's doing. What do you think? And this is one of the really big digital guys. And the, the chairman of this digital company said, you know, uh, there's no one who's really branding in, in the world of agri other than the wine industry. And so if, if when you build that platform, you have the branding together, let's talk about doing a JV in China. So just imagine if we can, in our early days, if we can get on board and get a nice, big, juicy JV in China, mm. wow, what a foundation that will give. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Greg. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Greg. And we encourage anyone else who has more interest in Caramel Limited to head towards fundingstrategies.com.au to find out a lot more about the company. Apart from that, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Raghu. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate that. No worries. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Greg McLarty from Caramel Limited. For more information on this and other business, franchise and investment opportunities, head to EdenExchange.com or BusinessByInvest.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram for regular updates and subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.